Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our text-in number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. And everybody, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's word. We want you to know what God's word is. And we also want to take part in a little bit of church tradition. So when we read God's word, what typically happens is at the very end of our reading, the reader will pronounce this saying, This is the word of the Lord, and the congregation will respond, thanks be to God. So I want to invite you to read with me God's word and then to respond in light of its calling. Proverbs 26, 13 through 16 says, The sluggard says there is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets, and as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful for this time as your church to gather as your people, to sit under your word and to listen with humility and to receive your truth. You promised, God, that when we hear from your word, when we listen, the Holy Spirit teaches us the deep truths of you, God. And we pray tonight that that is what we would hear, that Holy Spirit, you would speak exactly what each of us need to hear, that you would challenge us, but you would encourage us with your grace, that you are patient and you are merciful and you are loving and you are kind. So God, will we sense that when we know that you're here with us, that there is power when we're gathered as your church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I want to ask you to raise your hands if you play an instrument. Not as well as the band plays, but if you play an instrument. Raise your hand if you play even the recorder. How many of you play an instrument? Like everyone's like, the recorder, yes, fifth grade. <laughs> now, raise your hands if your parents forced you to play piano when you were a kid, and then you quit it because you thought it wasn't cool, and now you wish your parents were more mean and forced you to keep playing the piano so you could be as cool as Terrence playing the piano tonight. Raise your hand. Uh, we should all have our hands because the piano is cool. That's my story. I didn't think it was cool, so I gave up playing the piano, and now I'm very mad because I want to be the guy in the airport that sits down at the random piano and is like, oh, wow, look at this, and then I'm playing Mozart. That's what I want to do. But when I was in high school, I started to learn guitar. I wanted to learn how to play an instrument, and so I spent a few months. I was passionate about it. I was motivated, and I began to learn guitar, basic guitar. 
And as I was learning to play guitar, my friends had a band, and their band was awesome. I thought their band was so cool. But I, I knew I wasn't good enough to be a part of their band. I played acoustic guitar. That wasn't the vibe. And so I just attended their concerts. But then, guys, then, the bass player left the band. And they came to me, and they said, hey, Carter, you want to play bass in the band? And I said, you don't know how long I've been waiting for this. I don't even know how to play bass. I don't even have a, a bass. But I will play bass in the band. And so I borrowed the bass guitar. I said, listen, it's easy to pick up bass. It's very difficult to master. But if you put some time, if you get disciplined, if you spend you know, a, a large amount of your time after school learning it, in a few weeks, you'll be able to play our songs. I said, I'm going to do it, guys. And I got in. I was playing bass. This was way before slapping the bass. But I was doing that. I was doing the whole thing. I was learning how to play. And then we got to play some shows. Guys, I got to play some shows which means I played at small bars and restaurants and coffee shops. But for me in high school, that was a big show. That was American Airlines Arena. I'm playing bass. We're, you know, we're playing Nirvana, a bunch of Nirvana cover songs. And then we're playing original songs that sound exactly like Nirvana songs with different lyrics, playing it, and I felt alive. I loved it. But see, it took time and it took passion and motivation in order to develop the skill to be able to play the bass and to play guitar. If any of you play instruments, you know this. In order to learn an instrument, you have to push through a lot of difficulty in the beginning. It's hard. It, it actually hurts. The calluses on your finger if you're playing guitar, you get sore if you're playing drums. It's not easy, but when you're passionate about it, when you're motivated, you will push through the adversity to acquire the skill to play that instrument. It's interesting how passion works like that. Passion affects your pursuit. All the pursuits that you're going after in life, in relationships, in your career, and skills, and talents, and your relationship with God, your passion affects how you pursue it. So if you're very passionate, you're going to put a lot of time and attention. You're going to be dedicated. You're going to push through adversity and difficulty. If you lose passion, you're probably going to let it sit on the side, put it on the back burner. Passion is interesting in that way. And this week, as we have this sermon that's actually sitting in between two series, last week we finished up our series entitled Influencers, and next Sunday we begin Advent. Can you guys believe that Advent starts next Sunday as we move towards Christmas? But we had this standalone series, and I thought, what are we going to do? And I said, why don't we actually just put it out there to you all? and see what God is stirring up in your heart. And so many of you responded on our Instagram story and post. Thank you for that. And we have a lot of good information and a lot of good thoughts that we're going to be able to put in uh, to future sermon series in 2020. But when I was looking at the landscape of all the answers that were submitted, it was very interesting because a lot of the responses that you turned in came to, it boiled down to one topic. That is... Discipline versus laziness. One of you are wondering why Will Ferrell is in that. I have no idea. I just wanted to put him there. That's the only reason, because I look like it looks intense. It looks like he is disciplined in this picture. But see, a lot of you were saying, how do I grow in my faith? How do I develop that? How do I learn how to engage my job in a different way? How do I have a more positive spin on that? How do I acquire and move to through the purpose that God wants for me. And a lot of the questions boil down to, hey, listen, how do I actually align my passion 
with the things I feel called to pursue? How do I align my passion and my pursuits? How do I get disciplined when it becomes difficult instead of lazy? That's what it boiled down to. Now, in our society, we have elevated passion. We love passion. And it's a a blessing and a curse. Here's why it's a blessing. It has moved us as a culture to value things that are important. We don't view our jobs in the same way that people used to view their jobs 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now jobs are a means to accomplish things in different aspects of life. Many of us, I would say most of us in this room, don't want to just grind up the corporate ladder to make more money to achieve a new title every five years. We want to accomplish something big. We want to make a difference. We're tapped into global affairs. We have a heart and a desire for social justice. We have a holistic approach to life. We don't want just a house with a two-car garage and a white picket fence and a dog. We want to experience other cultures. We want to learn. We want to make a difference. In fact, in the last 20, 30 years, there has been incredible progress in bringing down poverty in many different countries in the world and actually increasing clean water. Why? Because we're passionate about making a difference. We don't want to just consume for ourselves simply. We want to make a difference. A job isn't the same way as it used to be 30, 40 years ago. The American dream has changed. It's a good thing. The way that you're managed in your job is different. The way that CEOs and directors manage employees has changed. The way that we view vacation and PTO has changed. Your work environment has changed. Now it's like there's a party all the time. Everyone's trying to to engage people's passion and keep people motivated. It's a really good thing. But there's a passion problem. There's a curse, too. Here's some of the curses when when you elevate passion and when you focus on it too much. One of the things is that it causes you to move off of things when they become difficult. To just think to yourself, it's not worth my time. Maybe I'm not made for this. I'm not feeling it. So I'm just going to kind of focus myself to something different. Millennials, on average, change jobs every three years. Every three years, on average, millennials change jobs. Some of you are like, I've changed jobs and I had to. I get it. It's good and important at times to change jobs. But on average, every three years means when a job becomes difficult, it's like, yeah, this job's not for me. I'm going to go find a new one grass is greener somewhere else. Changing jobs constantly. We view the same thing in relationships. It's a curse. It's a passion problem. Ah, this re- I'm not really feeling this relationship anymore. I'm not willing to push through the adversity to try to grow. I'm just going to break it off and go somewhere else. Same is true of marriages. Not really feeling it anymore. Three, seven, ten years. Break it off. Go somewhere else. See, all of it boils down to the the problem that we have with passion in our society is that when we feel disconnected from something, when we lose passion for something, we begin to reevaluate whether that thing is in fact right and good. When we don't feel it, I don't feel it anymore, maybe it's not good. I don't feel as connected to it, maybe it's not worth my time. And we disconnect from it. It's a passion problem. How many of you resonate with this? Think about some of the things in your life that you want to 
acquire, skills that you want to acquire, ways that you want to grow, you think to yourself, you know what, I think I'm a little bit artistic, and I want to kind of engage my creative side, I'm going to start painting. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an easel, I'm going to Amazon all the paints, and I'm going to spend time, when I get home from work and on the weekends, I'm going to paint, and you start painting, and then a month later, someone's like, hey, how's the painting going? I know that you're really getting excited about it. You're like, yeah, you know, I don't really think painting's for me. It's, it's kind of hard, like the shading and all that's pretty difficult. How many of you have said this? I'm going to start reading more. I'm not going to look at my phone at night. Before I go to bed, I'm going to read. Get a book, you're all excited about it. A week later, your friend's like, hey, how's the book going? Should I get it? You're like, yeah, you know, honestly, I don't think it was really well written. I'm not really, you know, into the, that's not a very good book for me. I just kind of stopped doing that. Your workout routine. I've got this workout routine. I'm so excited about it. I'm going to get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really disciplined. I'm going to really take care of my body. And then all of a sudden, how's, a gym, how's that gym that you joined? I was thinking about joining a gym. You're like, I don't, honestly, the community there is really toxic. So I don't go, you know? Looking for something new. How many of us to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really start devoting some time to my relationship with God. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. And really start investing. A week later, hey, how's that going? Yeah, you know, um, I'm just not really feeling it. I don't really feel like there's a connection there. I'm just going to go on, come on Sunday and hear what the pastor says and write down a few notes. It's a little bit easier that way. We have a passion problem. We feel disconnected from something. When we feel that our passion has decreased, we begin to think, well, maybe it's not worth my time. Maybe I'm not made for that. Maybe it's not good. Maybe it's not right because I don't feel it. The problem is greatness requires discipline. If you want to accomplish anything great in life, it will require discipline. You're going to have to push through adversity and pain and struggle your passion is going to be, have, to, have to be aligned with your pursuit for anything great in relationship, in your career, in your relationship with God. As you grow and you want to grow in these different areas of your life, it will require discipline. But our problem with passion is that when we feel disconnected and we lose passion, we begin to lose the heart and the desire to pursue that thing. Because we think, unless it comes naturally, and unless it deepens and expands my passion for it, then it's probably not made for me. It's probably not worth my time. The problem is, only 1% of the human population is naturally great at a certain thing. Prodigy. Only 1% of the population tries a skill, engages in a job, and is naturally great at it. The other 99% of us takes work, takes focus, takes discipline. And when you elevate passion too high, you lose that. And you don't experience greatness because you're not willing to push through the adversity and the difficulty. It's a problem. In fact, we have a time in our year where we reevaluate the past year and we see all the places where we dropped the ball or we didn't push through and then we make new year's what resolutions this year I'm going to read more I'm going to paint I'm going to spend time with God I'm going to focus on those goals in my job I'm going to devote more quality time to that relationship put them all up there 
Statistically speaking, by January 12th, 92% of people that make New Year's resolutions quit. It takes us 12 days, guys. 12 days. I'm out. 12 days. I wasn't feeling it. So I got to find something new. It's a problem. And tonight, we're looking at the topic of discipline versus laziness. And we're looking in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 26. It's an interesting passage as King Solomon writes this book of wisdom and he uses different characters. And here he is discussing the character of a sluggard, which is a lazy person. None of us want to be called lazy, but imagine being called a sluggard. Just picture that. I just picture a slug moving real slow, leaving slime. I don't want to be called a sluggard. You don't want to be called a sluggard. But he's using it, this term of sluggard, to describe someone that is lazy. You think to yourself, okay, what is lazy? What does it mean to be lazy? It means to have a lack of discipline. That's challenging, okay? What that means is that if you evaluate an area of your life where you're lacking discipline, that means in that area you are what? Lazy, a sluggard. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, not a, I'm not lazy. I cannot possibly be lazy. I'm too busy. Right? No way I could be lazy. I'm too busy. You can certainly be busy and be lazy because you can be busy and still have no discipline. And King Solomon is writing about laziness. He's saying that you need to be careful the way that you evaluate your life because a lack of discipline is in fact laziness and it is dangerous to continue to elevate your passion and to be okay with your laziness because you're never going to accomplish great things. In fact, you're also going to be devoid of the satisfaction, the fulfillment that God has wired you to have to run down the purpose that God has for you. And so here in this passage, we see King Solomon write about laziness. Just four verses here. One of the things I was considering this week as we think about laziness is that we we assume that because we're busy, we can't possibly be lazy. But if we're honest, a lot of our busyness is geared towards opening up opportunities to be lazy. How do most of us view Monday through Friday? I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to push really hard to get to the weekend where I can do nothing. If you ask a lot of people, what's your goal in life? My goal in life is to retire early. I want to retire early. 55, 60, 65. Got an amen in the congregation. A lot of you are like, I want to say it too, but I'm not going to say it. He's going to say something negative. (laughs) See, We view that, and you have to kind of diagnose what that means, right? We imagine retire early, which I'm going to sit on a beach, and I'm going to have nothing to do, and I'm going to go in the water, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to hang out, I'm going to be in a cabin in the mountains, wake up at 10, and I'm going to have coffee. It's going to be an amazing day. I'm just going to put more fire, more more wood on the fire. That's going to be my life. I'm going to retire early. But I want to tell you something. If you're a Christian, there's no such thing as retirement. None. Now, you may retire from your job. Some of you are like, Amen. But there's no such thing as retirement because there is no point in your life where God says, hey, now you don't have to be disciplined. Now you have no purpose. 
Now you just do whatever you want. No, we're called to a life of discipline. We're called to a life of growth. We're called to a life of purpose that you still have when you're 55, 65, 75, 85. You don't lose it when you retire from your job. All of a sudden, I have no purpose. I just do whatever I want. No. Our call is to be disciplined. And King Solomon is giving us wisdom here. And it's challenging. So I want you to receive this with humility. Is challenging me this week. He says this in verse 13. I want to preface this. It's a, it's a riddle, so you've got to be ready to engage your mind. You guys ready? Okay. No, you're not. All right. Are you ready? Okay. It's a riddle. You guys like riddles. I like, everyone likes riddles. Who doesn't like riddles? Maybe the sluggard. It says this in verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. This is the hardest riddle. I'm sorry. It's the first one, but it's the hardest one. What does that mean? The lazy person says, there's a lion in the road. Think about it. Picture it. If you see a lion in the road, what does that mean? You cannot cross that road. It will eat you. So if there's a lion in the road, you have to stop and turn around and go back from where you came. The lazy person makes excuses. I can't go over there. I can't do that. There's a lion in the road. There's something blocking me. There's a hurdle in the way, something that looks dangerous to me, that's probably going to eat me. I can't go there. i got to stop and go back to where I came. A lazy person makes excuses. Think about your life. Where in your life do you make excuses? Where do you think to yourself, you know, I, I know I should do that. I should be pursuing that, but I'm too busy. There's a lion in the road. My schedule I know I should be really focusing more at my job, and I know that God has called me to work excellently regardless of where he has placed me because I serve an excellent God. Therefore, the way that I work should be excellent. But you know what? I'm not appreciated enough. I'm not paid enough. I'm not given enough opportunities. There's a lion in my way at work, so I just kind of do my job and be quiet and then get out, and I'm looking for another gig. Some of us think about that in our faith. Man, I, I know that I should be growing in my faith. I know that I should learn more about who God is, that I should spend more time in prayer. I should meditate more. I should have a schedule. I should prioritize my week so I could be with God's people on Sunday. I should engage in community group. I should serve people in the city. But you know what? There's just too many things in the way. It's going to take a lot of effort There's too many lions. I'm just going to keep drinking spiritual milk because to move from milk to solid food takes a lot of work. It's not easy. You have to learn how to digest it differently. You got to have a whole new way of preparing. You got to have a whole new way of consuming and that's a lot. So I'm just going to stay where I am because there's too many lions in the way. Do you think like that? I can't do that. I know I should. I know it's good. I know God's calling me to it, but there's too many lions in the way. The next one, King Solomon says, as the door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. What is this? As the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy person on his bed. Think about a door hinge. What does a door hinge do? It moves a lot, but it goes nowhere. 
the lazy person is going nowhere. They're moving nowhere. They move a lot. They're very busy. But they're actually moving nowhere. They're rolling around in their bed. Wow. That's challenging. You'll be very busy, but you can still be lazy. You can be very busy in your job, but have no vision for how God wants you to engage your work. Just be okay with the status quo. You can be very busy and engaged in your relationships, but have no vision for how God wants you to grow in that relationship. So you just keep moving and going nowhere. Same is true of your faith. Just kind of moving and moving and moving, but going nowhere. The third one was the most challenging for me. He says, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. Picture this. The sluggard, the lazy person, puts their hand in the dish where food is, but it wears them out so they don't actually bring it back to their mouth. The lazy person doesn't finish what they start. That's a challenging one. The sluggard does not finish what they start. This one convicted me because I, if you know me, I'm a passionate person. I get excited about everything. It's probably too much. I could get like a new pen and be like, this is the best pen ever. Everyone's got to get it. The problem is the sluggard is saying has waves of excitement and begins all these things but does not finish them. So I can get really excited about a workout routine, tell everybody they need to do it, and then I stop it because there's a lion. There's a lion in the way. I can't finish that. I have a lot of books. Do you know how many of them I finished? Not all the books that I have. I'll read them, and I'm like, yeah, you know, then I'll get a new one. Then I... So what is wisdom saying? If you start something, finish it. If you're going to make a commitment and you're going to have all this excitement and passion for something, finish it. Because a lazy person begins things but doesn't finish. They're too, too worn out to even just bring the food back to their mouth. Then lastly, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. This is the most straightforward of them. The lazy person knows it all. I know how to fix it. I know I'm not disciplined in this area, but I know how to fix it. I, I don't need to listen to your opinions because they are opinions. You don't need to tell me. I know my truth. I know what I need to do. In fact, I'm thinking right now that this sermon isn't for me because I'm not lazy. The lazy person, the sluggard, knows it all. It's an interesting question to just ponder, which is, why are we lazy? Because I'm going to put it out there. Maybe you're not, but I'm going to say every single person in here is lazy in some way. Because laziness is a lack of discipline. If you lack discipline anywhere, then that's laziness. I know I am in different places in my life. Why are we lazy? A lot of us don't want to assume that label because we think laziness means a lack of drive. And you think, I'm driven. I can't be lazy because I'm driven. But laziness is very driven. It's just focused on comfort. Laziness is a drive for comfort. It's a drive to feel good. Very driven, very focused on feeling good, being comfortable. Proverbs 13.4 
says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The sluggard, the lazy person, has deep cravings, but the cravings are wrong. The cravings are for comfort, for feeling good. And because of that, they'll be driving and running for all these different things in our life. They'll be very busy, but they're actually getting nowhere. They make excuses for all the reasons they can't do A, B, and C. They begin a lot of things, but they never finish. And they think they know everything, so they don't need to receive any wisdom from anybody else. But their motivation is to be comfortable and to feel good. And they're satisfied with those quick fixes where they feel comfortable. And when they lose that feeling of comfort, when passion is lost and they feel disconnected, then they just go try something else. They're driven to be comfortable. I want you to imagine something. Imagine if we began to brag about our laziness and our drive for comfort. Imagine if you said, hey guys, you'll never imagine what I achieved. Last night, I scrolled Instagram for three hours. Three hours I scrolled Instagram. Last, the night before was two and a half, but I beat my record. Three hours scrolling Instagram. Guys, last night, there was a new Netflix show that dropped, and I binge-watched the whole thing. I didn't fall asleep till four in the morning. I didn't perform very well at work. And you know what? I didn't even like the show. But I did it. Hey, this morning, I snoozed five times. Woo! Five times. Guess what? I mismanaged my time again. Yes. I told myself I was going to get up early. I was going to spend time with God because I know it's important, but I just said, yeah, I'm not feeling it. And I did it again every single day. See, we have this drive for comfort because we've elevated passion, and so we become passionate about our own comfort, about feeling good, and so we justify laziness and we forsake discipline. And the problem with that is that we don't realize that laziness has a cost. It has a cost. In the book of Proverbs, all throughout as in different places, it speaks about the sluggard. And it says, here are the four costs of laziness, of not living a disciplined life. It's going to cost you four things. The first thing is it's going to cost you prosperity because great gain comes through great discipline. It's going to cost you progress because great movement, forward movement, takes discipline. It's going to cost you people. Great connection actually takes great discipline. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it like this. The sluggard is like smoke to the eyes of others. It's off-putting when people make excuses, when people don't finish what they start, when people act like they know it all. It's off-putting. But here's the most costly thing. It affects your purpose, your God-given purpose. And you have one. Ephesians 2 10 says this, for we, all of us, are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are God's workmanship. He has crafted you, your personality, your proclivities, your opportunities, the position that you are at in life, God has crafted He's worked through your success and your failures. 
He's worked through all of it to craft you, and he's laid before you a road to walk on. He has a purpose for you. He has prepared good works that are in line with your purpose, that you should walk in them, and you have been created in Christ. Through faith in Jesus, you are in Christ. Your identity is in him, which means the road that you are to walk, your purpose is going to look like the one that you're created in. What does my purpose look like? It looks like the road that Jesus walked. What was Jesus' road like? Well, it required discipline. Jesus didn't make excuses. He was full of humility. Wasn't just spinning and not moving forward. He was focused on the calling that had been placed upon him, the purpose which culminated in a cross. See, a lot of us forsake discipline and we accept our lazy tendencies and our drive for comfort because we've elevated passion and we just want to feel good and we want to feel comfortable when in fact your purpose involves a cross. Your God-given purpose involves a cross because you've been created in Christ and the road that Jesus walked culminated in a cross, which means that your life and your purpose will involve difficulty and pain and hardship. Jesus says this to you in Gospel of Luke. If anyone would come after me, he should take up his what? Cross and follow me. A cross isn't comfortable. doesn't feel good. You're like, man, this is a real downer sermon. Oh my goodness. Here's the promise. Jesus' purpose culminated in a cross, but it didn't end there. See, it ended in life and resurrection and ascension. There's a cycle that we live, and it's a cycle of death and resurrection. So the gospel speaks to every area of your life. It speaks to your relationships. It speaks to your career. It speaks to your relationship with God. As you walk through all these difficulties and all this pain and all this struggle, because it will be part of your purpose... Your God-given purpose involves a cross, it involves difficulty, it involves pain and struggle as you walk the road that Jesus has walked because you've been created in him, but your end is not death. When you walk through death, the promise is that what comes after is life. What comes after is resurrection. So as you walk through that in your relationships, in your career, in your relationship with God, when it feels like death, when it feels difficult, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, I'm not feeling it. I feel no connection. But yet when you walk through that, when you carry your cross, which is difficult and painful, the result will be life. That is the great promise, is resurrection. It's an amazing cycle. That is how we grow. We believe in that. See, that's a big struggle for us. I want to highlight one of the main ones, which is your relationship with God. It's one of the overriding responses when we asked on Instagram is, how do I grow my relationship with God? How do I get disciplined? How do I have self-control to actually build a routine? Because it's going to be difficult. There's going to be times where it feels like there's a lot of lions in a way, a lot of hurdles. You're going to read and be like, I don't really know what I just read. There's going to be times where you're trying to wake up and you're like, I want to snooze. Discipline in your faith is not easy. 
So what do you do? Kill comfort. You have to kill comfort. She's being called to carry a cross, not comfort. So you have to kill that. See, in the other areas of your life, I can't prescribe for you what that looks like in your career, in your relationships, in that skill or that talent that you're looking to acquire. But God, when you spend time with him, will illuminate to you what it looks like to kill comfort so you can get disciplined in those different areas of your life and not settle for being lazy and making excuses and thinking you know it all and being very, very busy but actually moving nowhere. The Holy Spirit will supply you that wisdom, but I want to give you something very, very practical. I want to encourage you, if, you you're, if you're there and you're thinking, and how do I get closer to God? Because that is your purpose. All of our purpose in this room, we share a common purpose, which is to grow closer to God. How do I do that? We get very practical for you, and so if you want to take some notes, it's, it's uh, real difficult. Here's the first thing. Turn your clock back 30 minutes in the morning. Take your alarm. You can even do it right now. Take your alarm. I get up at 6.30. Now you get up at 6. You get up at 7. Now you get up at 6.30. Just 30 minutes back, okay? That's the first thing. Second thing, take your phone, or if you use an old school alarm clock, classic, good job. That, move it across the room. Not next to your bed. Across the room. Move it across the room, 30 minutes earlier, across the room. It means you have to get out of bed to go turn it off. Now, take your Bible, physical Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, we have some in the back. We'd love to give you one. Take a Bible and put it on top of your phone. You're going to wake up mad because you're 30 minutes early. You're going to walk over, and you're going to have to pick up that Bible in order to turn off your phone. You know what you do when you pick up that Bible? Just keep walking right to the kitchen. Just keep walking. That's step four. You just keep walking right to the kitchen, and then you do one of two things. You either make coffee right away, or you slap water in your face to wake yourself up. You get the Bible in your hand. The alarm is off. You have coffee that's brewing. You have water in your face, and then you sit down, and here's what you do. Open it. Okay? And you're going to do three things. You're going to read. You're going to write. You're going to be still. Read, write, and be still. Carl, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do that. I haven't spent much time doing that. It's okay. I would recommend you start in one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or one of the letters in the New Testament. Start there. Read it. Read it. And then read it. Read it three times in a row. Pick a chapter. Pick a section. Read it three times in a row. Like, what do I write? Whatever. Trust that God is actually going to... Reveal you and encourage you what to write. Write it down and then be still. Maybe this is the hardest one. You may have to put your phone on do not disturb. Just be still. Trust that God speaks. That's how you get closer to God. It's practical. It's simple. But it requires discipline because I guarantee you that there are times where if you do this, you're going to wake up and you're going to be so mad. And you're going to want to snooze. But don't. Push through the difficulty. Because there's going to be times where you read and you write and you're like, I, I, I don't feel anything. I said this a couple weeks ago that worship is emotional. But it's not only a positive emotion. There are times where your worship can be negative. 40% of the psalms are psalms of lament. It's okay if you're not feeling it. 
because you're killing comfort and trusting that even when it feels like death, the promise is resurrection. The promise is life. When you push through the adversity, when you get disciplined, God will bring about great things in every area of your life, including as you pursue him, he will bring life to you. You see, discipline is a gift. It is a gift of faith in Christ because the promise is that as you move through death, life will follow. So why don't we let Jesus lead us, let his word lead us, and get disciplined. You guys down to get disciplined? Let's do it. Let's pray. Lord, it's not easy to be disciplined. We can talk about it easily, but it's hard. It's very easy to speak about the lions in our way, to move a lot and to be busy a lot, but to actually make no progress. To start things and be excited but not finish. To think we know it all. But Lord, thank you for promising us that as we carry our cross, as we follow you, as we move through difficulty and pain and struggle in relationships, in the career that you have placed us in, in our relationship with you, in whatever it may be that you have guided us to, that as we move through that, you promise life. Resurrection comes after death. Jesus, thank you for the purpose that you walked down that you gave your life for us, that your purpose culminated in a cross that takes away our sin and our shame and our laziness and our excuses and our failures, and you paid for it, and you came forth victorious, alive, and you said, I now offer you victory through faith in me. God, will we fight our battles through faith in you? resting upon you and asking Holy Spirit to give us strength to be disciplined and see how you work and how you move. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.